Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 11th of November 2012, entitled, I Am Not Ashamed, and the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 1, verses 14 to 17. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Well, look at Romans chapter 1. While you're turning there, I'll just, uh, which, you know, I guess it was uh, three weeks ago now. Uh, had the privilege of lecturing the guys at the Bible College on the book of Romans. So I've had Romans on, on the mind. And then, uh, of course, we've been talking, and God willing, in January, well, we're going to start doing some, some new door-to-door work in our community. Uh, we'll be doing a leaflet drop in uh, December, inviting folks to uh, uh, the Christmas programs and whatnot. But then uh, in January, starting uh, a door-to-door work, uh, just speaking to some of these people face-to-face and whatnot. And for some, if you've never done it, I know it can be very, very daunting. But I want to tell you, the Lord will really, really bless us. Uh, you're not going out there to uh, uh, to put pressure on people, to twist people's arm, because that's not going to do any good anyway. It's to put a smiling face, uh, to let them know that there's real people inside of this church. And, uh, uh, and so we just trust and pray that you'll... Uh, Pray about joining in with us and helping with that on some of the uh, the Saturdays. And, of course, we were out on outreach yesterday in the open air in the city center. And uh, as usual, it seemed that uh, uh, the majority of the people, not all of them, but uh, uh, certainly a larger percentage of the folks that we did have opportunity to talk to uh, were those of the Muslim faith. And uh, sometimes it can, uh, it can be frustrating uh, because you keep taking them back to the Word of God, and they're trying to tell you that they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe that He's God, that He's just a good man, that He's a prophet, uh, and that they believe the Bible, but that they believe there's four holy books, not just the one. And, uh, and of course, the problem is, is when you begin taking them to passages in the Scripture, then, uh, then they come back with all this, but that book's been corrupted. So they, on the one hand, they want to say that they believe it is one of the holy books, but on the other hand, they can't really trust what's written in it because they believe that man has corrupted it. So you can feel really frustrated because you know that it's the Word of God uh, that is the only thing that's going to uh, to change their hearts. But with all these things, uh, uh, the Lord uh, uh, put these verses here in, uh, in Romans chapter 1 uh, on my mind. I'll begin reading in verse 14. I invite you to stand with me. Romans chapter 1. Beginning in verse 14, Paul, writing to the church at Romans, said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Notice verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, thank you this evening for this time that we can share together in your house. Lord, for each one that has put forth the effort to come out and and to gather together with us here this evening. Uh, 
Father, now as we look into your word, we do pray, Lord, that uh, you would please speak to our hearts through the power of your spirit. Uh, help us, Lord, not to uh, obtain any of man's wisdom here this evening, but I pray that you could take these words, take this time by the power of your spirit, that you could speak to each and every heart, give us that which is most needed, and we will give you all the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I think that one times one of the great fears that, uh, that people have is what other people are going to think of them. It's amazing here as the Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I think, well, why sometimes are we ashamed to speak to people about the gospel? Why do we have this fear of what they're going to think of us or how they're going to react? And yet here's the Apostle Paul, and, and he's coming forth with this boldness. I'm not ashamed. And if you would, that's our main thought this evening is on those words, I am not ashamed. And as we look here, though, you think of the Apostle Paul. He's saying, I'm not ashamed. And yet this is the same man that when he was associated with the gospel in Philippi, he got him put in prison. In Thessalonica, he got him chased completely out of town. In Damascus and Berea both, they had to smuggle him out to, to keep him from being caught. At Athens, they laughed at him and mocked him. In Corinth, they considered him a fool because of what he believed. Jerusalem declared him a, a, a blasphemer and a, and a lawbreaker. At Lystra, they actually stoned him, thinking that they'd stoned him to death and left him for dead. A lot of the pagans considered him to be an atheist because of his belief in standing for the belief of just one God and one God only. A lot of them were accusing him of being a cannibal because of his, their misunderstanding of the Lord's Supper and what was taking place and taken of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm saying, you know, many times we're ashamed, and yet we haven't even begun to face what this man had faced. What was it that, that gave him that boldness to be able to stand up and declare, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? We know that the true believers, we know that it's through the gospel that we are shown our sin, that we recognize our sin and what Jesus Christ has done for it, and yet we know that we still struggle with it. We know that to those that we share the gospel with, many times it's a very unattractive proposition to them. <laughs> it can be intimidating. Matter of fact, to the natural man, Proclaiming the gospel can sometimes be downright repulsive to them. You know, they just, they just can't believe that you would actually believe that stuff and, and, and try to put it off on them. Why? Because, folks, the gospel will expose man's sin. The gospel is what will show us that in the flesh that we're worthless, that we're hopeless now and we have hopeless future. We find that 
people often react badly, and you need to understand that oftentimes it's not that they're reacting badly to you. They're acting badly to the message that you're giving to them. You see, it's fear that most of us have to overcome, but it's also fear that those that we're sharing it with have to overcome. We find that it's a lot safer, it's a lot easier within the fellowship of believers. It's easy for us to be able to say, yes, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we believe these same things. We can talk about the, the common faith and the common beliefs that we have, and it can be a real encouragement. But it's a little bit different when we're having to face those unbelievers. Are we proud? Because, see, that's the first thing that I see in the apostle here was pride, not in himself. <laughs> he was a very humble man in himself. Matter of fact, he considered himself to be the, the chiefest of all sinners, as Brother Steve spoke on at the nursing home last night. But he was proud of the gospel. <laughs> he was pride was in the Lord Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ had, had done for him. We find that many times with even the best of intentions, we find that maybe because people genuinely believe that they're doing the right thing, the people begin to alter the gospel message so that it's more palatable to the world, so that it's not quite so offensive to the world, so that it's more attractive. We find that I read something just recently, and I was quite astonished. I won't call the name of the church or the preacher. It actually wasn't just one, but it was several. But it's some of the great mega churches where I have no doubt that they have a desire to get the gospel to people but that it was something something like 85 or 90% of all of the messages that were preached when looking back over time were dealing with the love of God. But only a very, very small percentage that dealt with the holiness of God. <laughs> and the simple fact is, is that it's easier for us to face those people. We live in a day when there's much, I guess what we would simply call health and wealth, Gospels out there. They're dealing with the natural things of people's problems right now. And it's not that those things are important, but folks, the gospel wasn't meant to make us rich here on this earth. It was meant to make us rich for eternity. The, the gospel wasn't meant, oh, thank God, I know that there is absolutely nothing that you can face physically that's too big for God. I believe with all my heart He's as much God now. He can reach down. He can touch you. He can heal you of anything that's wrong with you. But the gospel is not focused at this physical body, this sinful body that we live in now. It gives us a new body, one that will never be sick, one that will never face any of those things. Jeffrey Wilson wrote these words. He said, the unpopularity of a crucified Christ has prompted many to present a message which is more palatable to the unbeliever, but the removal of the offense of the cross always renders the message ineffective. An inoffensive gospel 
is also an inoperative gospel. Thus, Christianity is wounded most often in the house of its friends. You see, Paul wasn't concerned about his personal comfort. He wasn't concerned with his popularity. Just the opposite. I mean, you know, I don't read anywhere whether he was ever voted the most popular guy in town or whether he was ever even voted the most popular preacher in town. He wasn't concerned. I don't mean it in the wrong way. He wasn't concerned with building a reputation among men of what he could do. And he had the education. He had the position. He had all of these things that he could have used if he had wanted to. But we find that in spite of all those things, he chose the gospel. And as a matter of fact, he's the same one that sat and he, he counted all of them as absolute nothing. He didn't offer a compromise to the gospel because it is the only, only means of salvation. So I want to see, first of all, that he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm saying today that we need to get our heads straightened out. We fear all of these little things that are of no consequence whatsoever, and we need to be proud of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished when he came. We ought to be proud of the gospel. Even when they mock us, even if they lock us away in prison, even if they try to stone us to death, whatever, we ought to stand up and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? The second thing we see is not only is pride, but we see the power. He says, for it is the power of God. The power, the dunamis, the dynamite, the atomic bomb, if you would. It's the only power to save man. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. There are a lot of programs in this world, and they're not all bad. They're meant to give people hope. They're meant to help people change, to sometimes help them get over things that are really challenging and difficult in their lives. But there's no program in all the world, Brother Steve, that can take away even one sin. When we try to clean up the outside, we try to improve the outside, we try to become better on the outside, it does nothing with the sin problem which we always have to deal with. The question is asked in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Could this Ethiopian, this guy that uh, would naturally have black skin, can he do anything to, to change the color, color of his skin? Or the leopard, his spots, whether the leopard likes his spots and likes where they're located. Is there anything that the leopard can do? Can man change the color of skin that he's born with? Can a leopard change the spots that he's given? He goes on in that verse and says, Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Folks, there are some things that man cannot change. 
And sin is one of those things. There is absolutely nothing we can do to change the sin problem in our lives. Jesus rebuked the Sadducees in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, what? Not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. You see, we're facing a world they don't understand. They don't know about the power of God. They don't comprehend what God can do. Some of them may be good people that have a genuine desire to be better, to do something better with their life. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. It is the power. We find that in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, the Word of God says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He recognizes his total weakness. And this is where that mankind has to come to. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because that gospel is the power. It can do what man cannot do with all of his best intentions, with all of the greatest desires, with the best programs that man can put together, with all the best intentions behind them, and even with the good that they can do. Because you see, notice what he says in the next. We see the pride. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that gospel is the power of God. The next two words says, unto salvation. That's the purpose. That's the whole purpose. Yes, the gospel is offensive sometimes. Simple truth is, that's why Jesus came. That's why he did everything he did. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You know, there's some pretty awesome things that we can see the hand of God at work. I'm sure most of you, just like myself, there have been there have been times when you were in situations where there just was no answer. Been in situations where that you honestly couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You didn't see any way out. You didn't see any way to do anything to help it, and yet God would intervene, and God would have that power that is beyond us. There's no circumstance that's too great for him. Paul's talking about the power of God unto salvation. Do you know, with all the great things that I see God do, with all the miracles that he can perform, with all the things he can accomplish, I've never seen anything greater than God take a wretched, wretched sinner and make him into a new creation. A new person just, just changed totally, completely. It's like it's, it's not even the same person. Why is it like that? Because it's not the same person. He's a new creation. Salvation speaks of deliverance, of being rescued. We've got to recognize as we begin to go out and we begin to knock on the doors in our community, 
that many of those people, many of them will have never heard a true gospel. Many of them will not understand the power of God. They may have many good intentions within themselves, but as we go and we knock on those doors, and as we try to share the greatest message, we need to go as the Apostle Paul was going to Rome, proud of the gospel, unashamed of what it is that we're there to share with them, recognizing that that which we are there to share with them it's the power of God, the power of Almighty God, the one that spoke the world into existence. We're going there with the gospel that he says is the power of God unto salvation, the one thing, the only thing in all the world that can deliver them from the clutches of Satan, that can deliver them from the bondages of their sin. We can take no pride in ourselves, but we can sure take pride in our God. We can take pride in the gospel, what it can do for every person that we face, every person that we offer it to, because you see, it's that gospel that's the only thing that can free them, deliver them from that penalty of sin which they faced. Some think that these terms, salvation, being saved, being born again. As a matter of fact, I've had people relate sometimes when talking about Christians and they'd say, oh, he's one of those born-again Christians. <laughs> Many people don't like these terms because of what they speak of. So they come up with other ones that are maybe less offensive to the world. Folks, people do need to be saved. They need to be delivered from sin. They need to be born again. They need to be spiritually born. Some think these terms are just old-fashioned and outdated. I'm saying that they're Bible terms. We ought not to be ashamed of them. Paul was proud of the fact that the gospel was the power, the only power to save sinful men. We find that he was proud because what he was taking to these people was the power of God with a specific purpose to save their souls, the power of God unto salvation because, you see, it was really all about those people. I want to encourage you. I know it can be fearful. I know that you might say, well, I, I just I can't talk to people well enough. I can't do that, preacher. I'm saying there's not a human being here that knows the Lord Jesus Christ that can't go and knock on one of those doors and tell them about Jesus. You don't need the strength in yourself. You need the strength from within. If the Holy Spirit is living within you, that's God. And he's the one that can give you that boldness. As I look through the book of Acts, one of the, one of the greatest evidences I see in all of the book that the Holy Spirit was present in these was the boldness that they were willing to stand up and be counted for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing here. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ 
For it is the power of God unto salvation. Notice what he says. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Folks, I want to tell you something. I don't care where the world is at. I don't care how bad that it may seem that it's gotten. You know what? There is no shortage of power in the gospel. We have in our hands that which every human being needs. We have here, we have that power that can change their lives for all of eternity. You see, there is no shortage in God's power to save a sinful soul. The shortage is always in our faith, not in God's power. You know, the world is guilty. For by grace are you saved through faith, through faith, through actually believing God, believing that he not only did what he did for us, but he'll do what he says he promised that he'll do for us, trusting him. But sadly, sometimes it's not just the lost world that's running a little short on faith. Sometimes Christians can run a little short on faith. They just somehow find it hard to believe that God will actually do that. I, I, I know it, I, I believe it, but you just don't understand, preacher. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand my circumstance. I'm talking about the power of God. I'm talking about just believing God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, in all of my years as a Christian, in all of my years with the privilege of standing and preaching God's word by his grace, I have never, ever, ever had any reluctance to send anybody to the word of God. I don't care what their question was. I don't care what their problem was. I've never had a fear that if they got in the word of God that they'd find something that somehow made them believe God less. To have a weaker faith? There have been many to set out to disprove it. Once they got in there, <laughs> they were the ones it was proven too. You see, we're simply talking about this evening. As far as, you know, we're, we're Christians here tonight. We're talking about not being ashamed. We're talking about standing up boldly in our community, on our job, we need, we need to grasp and we need to understand, folks. Jesus is right here in this world today in the believer, living in the believer. And for those people, if they're going to see Jesus, sometimes the Jesus they're going to see is the Jesus in you. But we're afraid because of that lack of faith, lack of just believing God. We went through the whole list of everything this man had faced because of his stand for the gospel. But yet that didn't deter him because he knew or that that which he carried was to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. If they would just trust it, if they would just rely upon it, if they'd just have faith in it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. You're very familiar with it. For by grace are you saved 
through faith. That not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Amazing. We'll never get our heads around all those things, but, you know, you couldn't even have faith if it weren't for God giving it to you. First of all, he gave you his word, and he's preserved it for you. And then he gives you his spirit, his spirit that will make this word come alive, not just be words on a page, but words that will come alive and speak to your heart, speak to your very inner being. There is no other pathway. God's grace is the most marvelous thing in the world. That's our only hope is that God has saved us by grace, not because we deserved it, but there's only one way to get to that grace. It'll save anybody that's there. It appears to everyone that believeth. But that's the key. Everyone that believeth. Everyone that'll exercise that faith, that really believes what he says there. He goes on in the next verse, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have nothing to brag in. We can only brag in him. There's nothing within ourselves. We've got to realize there's nothing that we can do. Every one of those doors as we go out there to knock on them, every human being behind them, there is absolutely nothing they can do. It's only the gospel. There's nothing else. And that's what we're going to offer them is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, we don't get to salvation by our works. But folks, when God has saved us, it ought to bring out some works in us. We ought to have a desire to do those things not because it's going to make us more saved, but because of what he has already done for us. Hebrews chapter 11, the Word of God says this, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Notice the next, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
Well, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, on a much, much lower scale, you can try to comprehend. You know, you're frustrated. It may be your own child. And you see that child about to make a huge mistake. You know that this is going to be a catastrophe for them. You know that, that they're just not recognizing and realizing what they're doing. And you're there and you're trying to convince them that, no, that's not what you want to do. This is what you need to do. And yet they just don't believe you. Nobody cares more than God. Jesus Christ couldn't have shown his love in any greater way. And yet if we won't believe it, he can't do any good for us. If we're choosing to make our own way, to go our own route. Folks, we can go out here. We could have had more people in the city center yesterday. I don't say that to be mean, but I'm just saying really, when you look at the number of people, look at the number of people here tonight in comparison to this morning. Look at the number of people that were out on outreach and compared to the number in our church. People have other things, other priorities. I'm saying to you folks, we need to get a hold of this, the simplicity of this message. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you that as we go out once again to meet the people face-to-face -face in our neighborhood, don't be ashamed. Don't let fear keep you away. Trust God. Believe God as the Apostle Paul, a man that had been put in prison, a man that had been stoned, a man that had been run out of town, a man that literally was hated for the message that he preached. And yet he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. He had the message. He could take it to them. And that's what we need to do today. First, he said, I'm going to take it to the Jews, but then also to the Greeks. In other words, everybody. That was everybody in his day. There were no boundaries. I wrote this down, and I don't even know where I got it from. I don't know if I made it up myself or if I found it somewhere, but it was just a simple saying that said, anyone that believes can be saved. Everyone that has, has been saved. And only those who do will be saved. Folks, we've got it. I want to give you something else here in closing. Verse 17, we've seen that the pride that could be taken in the gospel, we've seen the power of that gospel, the purpose of it, the people that it's for, but fifthly, the great privilege that comes with it. Notice verse 17, for therein, what? In the gospel, in what it does, in the power of the changing people's lives. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The great privilege of this literally life-transforming truth here in the gospel 
righteousness. The Bible says all of our righteousness are filthy rags. This is the righteousness of God being revealed. As he imparts his own righteousness to those who will believe. He says a bit further on in Romans chapter 4, verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. His faith is counted for righteousness. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Notice what the Word of God says. He says, again, Paul writing to the church of Philippi says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. You see, he said here in verse 17, the righteousness of God revealed from faith faith. Faith is the very source. Faith is also the end. The way that this is written in the original is literally from faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. This continual process from faith to faith to faith. We live by faith. We're saved by faith. And we go from faith to faith to faith. The Apostle Paul now, he had already exercised that faith to save his soul. 
Now he's got the faith to believe that he can go out there with that same gospel and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We find that he knew. He knew what he had his hands on. These couple of verses, Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief, an evil heart of not believing God, of not trusting God, he says, in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Folks, the Christian walk is a walk of faith from beginning to end. It's all in him. I'm just simply trying to encourage you this evening. We need to be as this apostle was in writing to Rome. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. He wasn't ashamed. He was proud of the gospel. He knew. Within that gospel was the very power of God. The power to save sinful man, no matter what depths that he had gone to, to rescue him from that penalty of sin that he faced. God's wonderful gift of grace to everyone that believeth, to all who will exercise that faith, to receive the very righteousness of God himself by putting our faith in Christ, by trusting him and what he's done for us, to live a life of faith, of really believing God. Perfect love casteth out fear. Oh, we need to be so in love with him. We need to be sold out to him. You see, he is the source of our life. He is the culmination of our life for all of eternity. But he's the source of everyone else's life out there. So our time together this evening, our message this evening, you see, every one of you know the gospel. You know what the gospel is? It's done for you. Oh, I want to encourage you, folks. 
You don't need to be afraid to face anybody with the gospel message. Don't be ashamed. Stand proud. They might react any way in the world. That's not your responsibility, but you're in God's hands. You're giving them the only thing in the world that has the power to deal with their sin. Nothing else in the world. I mean, honestly, stop and think about it. If that same house that you're going to go and knock on that door, if that same house was on fire and you saw that family in there and you knew that that family was doomed, you knew that there was no hope unless you got them out of there. I don't have any doubt that every one of you would do everything in your power because of the immediate threat to that family to get them out of that danger. Do we realize they're in far greater damage, far greater danger than their house being on fire without the Lord Jesus Christ? Every one of your friends, every one of your family members, every human being that you pass and face on the street, unless the power of the gospel has changed their lives, they're in the greatest danger they could ever face in all of their lives. You've got the only thing that has the power to deliver them from that danger. There is nothing else. We need to be proud of it. They might mock you. They may not like they, they They may be offended because we've already seen in the beginning the gospel is offensive. Simple truth is, it's the only thing that has the power to save them. That's why I want to encourage you this evening. Folks, let's get concerned about people's souls. Let's be concerned about the fact that, wow, we've got the greatest gift in all the world. We have access to the greatest power in all the world. We are representatives, ambassadors, for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. Well, let's be able to speak those words. No matter what they say about me, no matter how they react to me, no matter if, like Paul, they think he's some kind of a fool that's gone off the deep end, simple truth is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, we trust and pray that these two simple verses this evening that we've looked at, Lord, I genuinely believe that, Lord, with the various things that you have laid upon my heart, Lord, I believe with all my heart that you would take and use these verses this evening, not just to challenge us, but to encourage us, Lord, that we would truly not be ashamed that we would take every opportunity that we possibly have to share the gospel with those around us. Help us, Lord. And Father, you've placed us in this community, and we know, Lord, that we have seen this community change tremendously in recent years. And we know that, Lord, the greatest percentage of these around us now, Lord, they're not only non-Christians, but you know, a great majority of them are the Muslim faith, we know that they might be offended by what we're saying. Help us, Lord, to speak the truth in love, not 
compromise the gospel message. Help us to be willing not to be ashamed, but to proudly go to these people and present them with that life-transforming truth that is present in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be the light, the witness that we need to be. We know we've got many failings. We know we've got a long ways to go ourselves. Just as the Apostle Paul, we haven't arrived. We haven't apprehended yet. But, Lord, help us. Help us to have this same boldness. May the power of your Spirit fill us, control us, embolden us to go forth not in our power but in your power. Lord, that others might come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.